Good evening. Welcome to Site 4. I am your host, Roger Hinthorn. Now, I'm not going to lie here. I'm sick and tired of the winter. And thankfully, it looks like we're starting to round a corner here. It's starting to warm up, and it's about time. As it happens, I was able to take the Harley out for a spin the other day. And man, did I miss that. Tonight, I have a hell of a show lined up. We're going to use some of that new springtime energy to dust the cobwebs off and do some exploring. Let's hope we don't get too lost along the way. And, speaking of motorcycles, tonight's first story finds us on two wheels, out in the small town of Elmore, Ohio. It's a story of young love, war, and of course, a headless phantom rider. The small town of Elmore, Ohio, population 1410, is located in what was known as a black swamp, a sprawling area of marsh that happened to cover the majority of northwest Ohio. The nearby Portage River plays a central and deadly part to our story. Now, the legend says that just before World War I, a young man and woman fell in love. Unfortunately, this man was drafted to serve in a great war. However, surely love was stronger than a war raging in Europe. They promised that they would stay together while he was out fighting overseas. Indeed, the only thing that kept this young soldier going in the trenches amidst all the continuous gas attacks and hand-to-hand -hand combat was the promise that someday, soon, he would be returned to his true love. Upon his return home, the young soldier decided that he would surprise his love. He purchased a motorcycle and rode out to her home. That promise that kept that young soldier going turned out to be empty. As he neared her home, he saw his young love with another man through the front window. Understandably devastated, the young man sped off in a fit of anger and sadness to leave her and the empty promise behind him as fast as he could. When he neared the Portage River, however, he suddenly lost control of his motorcycle. The motorcycle slammed into the bridge guardrail and decapitated the poor, grief-stricken soldier. His motorcycle, body, and head went over the side into the river below. Authorities eventually found the body and motorcycle, however the rider's head was never found. Here's where the legend takes a supernatural turn. The legend says that the rider still haunts that same stretch of road, doomed to reenact his grief-stricken final ride over and over, all the while without his head. They say that if you park along the road on Halloween or March 21st, the apparent anniversary of the ill-fated ride, you may catch a glimpse of the headless rider. The rider is summoned by honking your horn or flashing your lights three times. Now the town of Elmore, Ohio is fairly small again, only about 1,400 people, and it's understandable that the town residents do not want a lot of legend trippers blocking the roads. That being said, the legend of the Headless Riders become very popular throughout the country, and people flock here each year to try to catch a glimpse. It should be noted that this isn't the only Headless Motorcycle Rider story around. It turns out that Port Perry in Ontario, Canada, has a similar story that mentions a motorcycle rider back in the 1960s that suffered the same fate as a rider from Elmore, Ohio, right down to crashing into the side of a bridge and losing a head. Now, digging into legends like this, it is interesting to me just how far back headless rider stories go. Headless rider stories have long existed throughout history, way before the invention of the first steam-powered motorcycle back in 1867. Now, the legend of riders goes back to at least the Middle Ages. Indeed, knights and modern-day bikers have long been romanticized, so it's no wonder that there are so many stories surrounding them. 
Headless Rider stories in the Middle Ages prompted a famous story of Sleepy Hollow back in 1820. And there are parallels to modern day with movies such as Ghost Rider, dealing with iron horses of the two-wheeled variety. Now we're going to shift gears here and explore another phenomena of the vehicular variety. Not too far from the Buckeye State. Just a hop, skip, and jump over to the bluegrass state of Kentucky. But before we do, have you experienced anything that you can't quite explain? Bumps in a night? A story to tell? If so, I'd love to dig into it here on the show. Send the show an email over at site4podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like, you can even send in a voice recording. Now let's go ahead and get back on the road. Situated in the eastern edge of Kentucky, between Jefferson and Oldham counties, lies the Sleepy Hollow Road. And with a name like that, it's no wonder that it's reported to be quite haunted. Now, quite a bit of time, supposedly haunted locations have one, maybe two stories associated with them, and normally all from the same time frame. But Sleepy Hollow Road is a bit different. This haunted stretch of bluegrass has at least four stories associated, spanning the gamut from pioneer times all the way up to the 70s and present. The first tell of this location goes like this. Someone is driving down a section of a tree-lined road in the middle of the night. Suddenly, a pair of headlights appear behind them, following too closely. The driver speeds up a bit, only to have the pair of headlights get closer. The driver speeds up again and realizes that the car is following them. At this point, the panic-stricken driver speeds up even more, to unsafe speeds. The pair of headlights now is dangerously close, but they swerve to the left and a trailing vehicle overtakes the driver. The driver notices that this is no ordinary vehicle. It's a hearse. Unfortunately, the driver realizes this just before he loses control from his excess speed and cranes off the road. Now, it should be mentioned before anyone dismisses the idea of a phantom hearse that Herod's Creek Cemetery is located quite literally at the end of Sleepy Hollow Road. One of the most disturbing stories here takes place at one of the bridges along the road, specifically one known as the Crybaby Bridge. Now before I mention this one, I just wanted to give you folks a trigger warning. This one deals with some uncomfortable subjects dealing with children. Now supposedly women that may have had children with medical issues, or sadly, just unwanted children, would take them to this section of the creek by the bridge to intentionally drown them by throwing them into the water. The story says that on nights with a full moon, you can go to Crybaby Bridge and still hear the wailing of mothers and cries of children. Apparently though, the old bridge has long since been replaced. The new concrete and steel bridge still harbors those same cries in the middle of the night. Now I mentioned that this section of the road has stories that go back to pioneer times. One of the most disturbing stories takes place at one of the bridges along this road, specifically one known as the Crybaby Bridge. Now before I mention this one, I just want to give you guys a trigger warning. This one deals with some uncomfortable subjects dealing with children. Now supposedly women that may have had children with medical issues, or sadly, just unwanted children, would take them to the section of the creek by the bridge to intentionally drown them by throwing them into the water. The story says that on nights with a full moon, 
you can still go to Crybaby Bridge and hear the wailing of the mothers and the cries of the children. And apparently, although the old bridge has long since been replaced, the new concrete and steel bridge still harbors those same cries in the night. This area was also nicknamed Devil's Point during the 1970s. It was rumored that there were several satanic cults that took up residence in the area and would do pretty unspeakable things. People that lived in the area at the time report that they heard voices in satanic music, and of course, screams from the victims of sacrifices, coming from deep within the woods. Apparently, there are also tales of people that decided to follow the voices and found bonfires and people clad in black robes as well. Now, it should be noted that, in general, the satanic panic started in the late 1960s and continued through the 1980s. Playing, and sorry for the pun, devil's advocate here, it's not too much of a jump for high schoolers to take a supposedly haunted road and then throw the occult into the mix as well. Now, one last common story about Sleepy Hollow Road centers on a phenomenon known as missing time. Multiple people have reported driving down this road for what they thought were only a couple of minutes. However, after checking their watch or phone, notice that several hours had passed instead. One of the things that I find pretty interesting about this last claim is that, in general, Kentucky is also a significant location for something very closely related to missing time. Alien abduction. But we'll leave that one to the next episode. Now one thing is for certain here. For a stretch of road that is only two miles long, Sleepy Hollow Road has quite the spooky history. From all accounts, the road is really nice to take a joyride on. However, you may just want to do that during the day. Since we're so close to Louisville, Kentucky, how about we take a quick pit stop over to one of the most haunted places in the state? Of course, we're talking about the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Now this is one freaky place that has quite the tortured past. The Waverly Hill Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky actually started as a one-room schoolhouse from land that was purchased in 1883 by Major Thomas Hayes. Now Major Hayes decided to build a schoolhouse for his daughters to attend since his new property was so far away from any existing schools at the time. His wife named the property Waverly Hill in honor of the Waverly novels that she loved to read. In the early 1900s, Jefferson County, Kentucky was stricken with a wave of tuberculosis. Keep in mind that it wasn't until 1943 when there was an effective treatment for this devastating disease, and quite a large percentage of people infected eventually died. In an attempt to at least contain the disease, it was decided that a two-story sanatorium was to be built, and the Board of Tuberculosis purchased the property, then known as Waverly Hill, from Major Hayes. The sanatorium was eventually expanded a couple of times and had an eventual maximum capacity of around 400 patients. Now, thankfully, after the development of streptomycin in 1943, cases began to plunge and there was no longer a need for such a large tuberculosis center. The sanatorium closed its doors to tuberculosis patients in 1961. The sanatorium was then repurposed as a geriatric center shortly after in 1962. Unfortunately, this was an utter disaster. The mission of the geriatric center was to provide care for those that had severe dementia, mobility issues, and a severely mentally handicapped. But the facility was extremely understaffed and overcrowded. 
There were repeated reports of patient neglect throughout its existence as a geriatric center, all the way up to its closure by the state of Kentucky in 1983. Almost 20 years of abuse, neglect, and other horrors. Now speaking of horrors, in order to transport dead bodies as secretly as possible from the facility in order to increase morale, a 500-foot tunnel was built into the first floor of the facility. It should be mentioned that the Waverly saw more death than perhaps any other hospital in the area. Fewer than 5% of patients admitted to the facility survived. And conservative estimates are that more than 60,000 individuals died from the disease, or some of the rather questionable treatments at the sanatorium. Almost all of them would have passed through that tunnel. The Waverly Sanatorium still exists today in Louisville, Kentucky. Waverly Sanatorium is open for scheduled tours and paranormal investigations throughout the year, as well as haunted attractions each Halloween. The sanatorium is widely regarded as one of the most haunted locations in the United States, due in large part for the massive amount of death and barbaric and inhumane treatment coupled with abuse. But don't take my word for it. Here, take a listen. Maybe it's the gargoyles. This building here opened on October 17, 1926. Or the buzzard perched atop this tower. It was a tuberculosis hospital. Whatever the reason, there's no hiding from that eerie, unexplainable feeling you get at the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Waverly is haunted. <laughs> if you stay here long enough, you'll probably find out for yourself. And Tina Mattingly would know. She bought the property with her husband, she says, to save a piece of history. But once inside, she got more than she bargained for. You know, we, we've seen things, we've heard things, we've smelt things, we've felt things. As we get a lot of pictures of apparitions in this room. Tour guides have a story for nearly every inch of the 180,000 square foot facility. Doctors and nurses have been caught pacing the halls while a little boy named Timmy is said to play with people brave enough to roll a ball. You know, give it a few minutes, just sit and be patient, and very often that ball comes back to your group. You know, people believe what they want to believe. You know, I wouldn't believe anything if I hadn't experienced anything for my own self either. Mattingly believes in more than the afterlife. She also believes in the building's original purpose. This building was instrumental in saving a lot of lives. In a time when sunshine was thought to treat TB, patients soaked up to 13 hours of it daily here on the solarium. Meanwhile, staff silently and secretly dispose of the patients too sick to survive using the body chute. You know, that many people died. You know, how would that make you feel? You'd probably think I'm next. But Mattingly says many people thrived here and eventually got to go home. Others, she says, stayed behind and still haunt these halls. It's like it's not just a building. It's like it's alive. Now that clip is courtesy of WLKY and can be found in our show notes from tonight. And that's going to wrap it up for tonight, folks. I'd like to thank you for your visit out to Site 4. Please remember to share your experiences with the show at site4podcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please leave a good review and subscribe. Again, the more good reviews we get, the more listeners we have, and the more shows we can share. Site 4 is written and produced by me, Roger Henthorne. That creepy soundtrack you hear is courtesy of Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.AG Music. <laughs>